Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Every Monday, we put your medical questions to our resident GP. Dr. Sumi Dunn is with me for Ask the GP this afternoon. How are you, Sumi? I'm very well. Thank you, yeah, Andrea. Good. Um, 1800 453 106. That's the number if you want to chat to Sumi yourself, or you can drop me in a WhatsApp a message or even a WhatsApp voice note if you like. Uh, 087 1400 106 is the number. Um, Claire is wondering my son has just turned 18, has never had a blood test. Is it a good idea to get one and what should I ask to get checked? He's not a good eater, doesn't eat much fruit and veg and drinks a huge amount of milk. The interesting thing is, is Claire, and thanks for your question, he's 18. Uh, You can't book the blood test for him. He is now an adult. Uh, He has to book his own blood test if he feels that one is required uh, and also follow up and chase the results himself. Uh, and that's a really interesting one that comes into general practice. I know as parents, we're all concerned. I, you know, I've got two older children aged 18 and 20, but it's not for me to chase their results or to book their appointments now. But if if Claire is going to, we'll say, encourage um, her son to, to book it, is there anything in particular she should be asking for, I suppose, in terms uh, of the blood test. I, I would say more so go and have a chat with the GP to see if a blood test is required. You know, a blood test may not be required, just to make sure there's nothing else going on. Uh, certainly, you know, dietary aspects can be explored. Milk drinking, we know, certainly in the younger age group, can lead to an iron deficiency if someone drinks a lot of milk in the absence of having no other iron-dense foods in their diet. So if it's milk only, mm. but not a balance then we get concerned. And we certainly see this in the toddler, young child age group. As children get older, because their diet becomes more varied, it's less likely to have an iron deficiency. Young teenage girls absolutely might happen because of menstruation. Uh, Teenage boys, unlikely. So again, let them talk to his GP. Let us see if a blood test is required and take it from there. Okay. Uh, This listener, Sumi, um, anything I can do for reoccurring prostate infections? I've been to the doctor many times. I've been given antibiotics, but it just keeps coming back. It's like a dull ache. Is there any foods that I should avoid or anything? From the foods perspective, no, not really. But do have a look at aspects like is exercise aggravating this? Quite often we do know, uh, particularly in, you know, this is very much a male condition that men that undertake a lot of exercise, be it marathon running or particularly cycling, that can aggravate an acute prostatitis. And that might be a very simple issue. Uh, It's also worth bearing in mind if the prostatitis is ongoing and recurrent, it may be worth considering, are there any other causes? Have you had a digital rectal examination recently to see the architecture uh, of the prostate and are further investigations warranted? And the other one to also bear in mind with recurrent prostatitis and with men that are having recurrent urinary tract infections, has the possibility of a sexually transmitted infection also been considered? Okay, so that's just back to the GP. Back to the GP. STI test? Yeah, not only an STI test, an overall examination, a prostate examination, plus or minus bloods if required. Uh, 1800 453 106, that's the number if you want to chat to Sumi. Um, This listener, I found a lump on my breast. I went to the GP and I was told that it was most likely, is it uh, fibroadenoma? A a fibroadenoma. Yeah, Mm. Um, due to the feel of it and my age. Now, she is sending me to get it checked just in case, but I'm actually really anxious about it. I keep thinking, what if I'm losing sleep over it? Are they common? Any reassurance would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Fibroadenomas are quite common. They are benign, which is the reassuring aspect. What are they? They're they're a 
consistency of tissue. So it just sits under the surface and it's a collection of just normal tissue that comes together in a lump. Uh, and quite often we don't quite know why it comes together. Some women are more prone than others. Uh, certainly you might see uh, different times of the month may make your breasts more lumpy. Uh, so again, depending on the age of your listener and if she's menstruating or not, you know, has the lump been there? Is it persistent? Is it ongoing? Uh, and there are certain aspects around a fibroadenoma that help us distinguish between that and a more clinically sinister lump. However, the gold standard is always getting a scan and having it looked at further, which is very reassuring to hear mm. this is what's happening to yeah. this listener. Um, I have a twitch in my right eye for almost a week, this listener says, and it happens actually every time that I sneeze or I can make a twitch by pressing my eyebrow or closing my eyes quite tightly. Any idea what could be causing it? Probably a small muscular spasm. So the fact that you're doing a repeated action of closing your eye or raising your eyebrow is just triggering a little muscle spasm. The easiest thing is to try and move away from doing that movement uh, and make sure that through the day that if you are using repeated movements of the eyes, a lot of screen time, looking down at your phone, looking up at a computer screen, that you're giving your eyes a break. Uh, and that might be worth considering. More often than not, these twitches just go. They can happen for a short space of time, be it a week, maybe even 10 days. And then as rapidly as they came about, they tend to go mm. away. So it's not that you need drops or anything necessarily? No, leave, no, leave, leave it well alone. Now, there are some very interesting old wives tales, but we can go into that another day. Uh, 087-1400-106 is the WhatsApp. Dee got in touch. She's, uh, she's wondering, can you please ask the GP the following? I've been diagnosed with IBS, stress-related IBS. Is it normal that when I get tummy pain, I also get a pain in my lower back? Can happen. Uh, IBS now is quite debilitating for people. And when people do get attacks, uh, quite often with the gut spasms and the way the nerve networks are, you can get lower back pain. But as, but as always, with lower back pain, we have what we call red flags. And if the lower back pain is causing a loss of what we call uh, bowel, bowel control, or if there's faecal incontinence, that then needs to be looked at. So what, just... just Go to your GP. Go to your GP. If that that would be a red flag that with lower back pain, if you lost bowel or bladder control, you really need to get that looked at. Okay. Uh, This texture, I constantly have sinus pain. Um, I wake up most mornings fully blocked up. My head is pounding. I've tried the sinus rinses, the sprays, which do help. But is there anything I should do long term? Interestingly, with what we now know, given if there's no acute infection, if there's no temperature going on uh, and that it's not an acute effect, it's worth leaving things well alone allowing everything just to settle down over a period of time. You may get a rebound congestion, you may get rebound pain, but it's just worth allowing everything just to settle, medication-free, rinse-free, over a six to eight-week period to see if that actually helps. Mm. Um, this texture, sorry, 087-1400-106 is the WhatsApp. Um, this listener, Sumi, is going for a scan next week for possible IBS. I'm, I'm so, so, so bloated. If it's confirmed IBS, can I get back to a normal size with regards to my so- stomach? I find it so frustrating. Thanks in advance. Yeah, that's that's a tricky one. It's a difficult one. Bloating can be caused by so many issues. And if it is IBS, IBS is what we call irritable bowel syndrome as opposed to inflammatory bowel disease. Uh, irritable bowel syndrome is a diagnosis of exclusion so that we've made sure that nothing nasty is going on. So there isn't an inflammatory process or a sinister process. What we then know is that one of the causal links could be diet and what you eat in the diet, particularly foods that might produce a lot of gas, typically leafy vegetables, 
the legumes, the pulses, etc. Uh, there is a diet, and I think we've mentioned it before, that a lot of our IBS patients find useful called a FODMAP, F-O-D-M-A-P, uh, widely available, uh, and people can download it, which is a diet which in essence has low residue in it. So it doesn't have the fibre, mm. therefore reduces the gas, therefore should reduce the bloating. Again, very much trial and error. But should you only take that if you've been IBS diagnosed? Like it's Because it's not nutritionally complete, if it helps, great, but you need to be aware of it because it is a low residue diet. So you can get a rebound constipation. Um 1800-453-106 is the number. Actually, just before I move on, there's another listener here on IBS as well. Um, I'm going for a scan next week. Possible IBS. Where did I? Sorry, I'm after. Um, yeah. Is there anything I can do in terms of taking um, any of the like liquid solutions? Do they help? Asks this listener. There is some work being done around, you know, uh, recolonizing the um, the gut. Uh, with some microbiomes. Again, uh, some of our GP colleagues would be very aware of that and that's worth a conversation. But I wouldn't be going out and spending, you know, tens and tens of euros on just buying these things over the counter. Uh, The ones that we're talking about normally come through the GP. Okay. Um, This listener says, the top top half of my ear keeps going numb. No discoloration, as I thought it might be circulation problems. Now it's going to just above the ear on the side of my head. It's very annoying. Any thoughts? Worth being checked. We've got what we call cranial nerves. That's a nerve network in the face. Uh, different areas of the di- different areas of the face are innervated by different nerves. It's worth getting a checkup to see is that numbness now following a particular nerve pattern, like a pathway. Uh, and if it is, your GP will be able to tell you. And okay. if anything further needs to be done, I'll they'll let you know. If that nerve is fine, uh, great, great news. Yeah. Um, I've recently had my eyes tested for my driver's licence. Um, I was told I had twenty twenty vision, but I've noticed that at night I struggle to read anything that's on the TV screen or anything that's more than about 10 feet away. Yeah, interesting. Again, age-related eye changes happen. You know, we're not going to have the same eyesight that we had in our 20s. And what we're more aware of is that nowadays, again, with screens and TVs, it's that loss of middle eye vision that happens as we get older. So a lot of people will say, you know, as I've got older, I can see better in the distance, but I'm having really difficult to read. So there's the varifocals. But it's that middle eye stuff, the stuff where we look at a screen and we look at the TV, which Mm. is classic. Throw in dim lighting throw in, you know, um, other atmosphere, atmospheric conditions that can make watching a TV, reading the credits or even reading a menu really, really difficult. Uh, Try a well-lit room. If needs be, uh, go via optician to see what is my middle vision like? Not my long distance, not my short distance. What's my middle vision like? Which is very much TV screen. So you might, yeah, often you hear people just need glasses specifically. For telly nearly, just for watching. Yeah, specifically for telly. Uh, And then you've got glasses for reading. But this one's interesting. It's what we call the middle vision. So it's not the reading because you can bring the book closer or you can move the book away. The TV's kind of fixed at a fixed point. So people don't tend to go closer or back. They stay at the same point and go, I can't actually see this. 1800 453 is the number. Um, this listener, I'm 45, 45-year-old healthy male in a long-term relationship thinking of using Viagra Connect. Do I have to go to the GP? 
In the absence of what we call ischemic heart disease, if you have no cardiac issues or active chest pain, there is no reason. There are one or two medications that might be contraindicated. As you buy it, you will see on the package which medications are contraindicated against it. Otherwise, nowadays, certainly uh, a lot of the Viagra products are widely available. Mm. Um, My issue, this listener says, is that spit keeps building up in my mouth all day and for an hour or so when I go to bed. Um, Like I'd all yeah, it, it seems to be a problem. Sometimes I have phlegm, but not always. Conditions really annoying. If I'm chewing gum, then I find that I actually, the spit builds up a lot less. Any suggestions on what it could be? Again, have a look at lifestyle. Is there anything that might be producing more spit in your mouth? Are you chewing all day? Chewing gum can actually have a rebound effect of producing more spit because you've got a perpetual chewing motion and then the glands in the mouth will want you to secrete more saliva. Uh, Have a look at coffee and tea intake. Have a look at smoking as well all of which can increase spit production. There can be what we call a habitual response, as in you're so used to it, you're aware of it, so you carry on spitting. Uh, But also, interestingly, it may be worth a dental review, just in case there's something going around, around the teeth and the salivary glands, which is very much our dental colleagues' expertise. Uh, Josie's wondering, is it plantar fasciitis? Plantar fasciitis, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Catches me all the time. Uh, diagnosed six weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I am going to physio, but does the doctor, like, will it go away? Am I going to have this for life? It can go away. Uh, going to the physio is a great idea. This is a foot I'm, issue, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. a foot issue. It's the sole of your foot. Yeah. When you go walking, it hurts. Uh, and it, it really does limit, you know, we we underestimate how much difficulty it, it is. And then you find a lot of our patients so fabulously, they go out and they try so many things themselves and they just say, it's just not getting better. Uh, first port of call are our physio colleagues, which this listener is doing. Mm because they can show you some just some very simple stuff that can help even stretch the sole of the foot. Uh, even rolling your foot on a tennis ball yeah. can help. You know, when you're sitting in front of the TV, worth doing. Uh, just a quick one from Jan. I have arthritis in both knees and I've been told I'm going to need a knee replacement. I do get um, the cortisone injection in that knee. I got it three months ago. It helped. Now the other one is acting up. My question is, do I, should I do cardio in the gym and weight training? Should I continue them or is it making it worse? The gold standard of managing arthritis is moving. Keep moving, however difficult it is. Uh, given that the joints are painful, quite often the two exercises we do recommend for our patients who are awaiting preoperative surgery is to cycle because it doesn't have any gravitational mm. force on the knee joints and also the hip joints and swimming if you can swim. Uh, those two very simple exercises takes away from that absolute weight bearing, okay. which squats and weights may have, which using a stairmeister or even walking on a treadmill might be difficult. If you can't swim, something very simple like walking up and down a pool is really helpful and you won't hurt your joints that way. So there's a slightly more lower impact, basically. Much yeah. more lower impact, okay. but it's getting your cardio response as well. You know, if you move at a pace, it's hard to walk in water. You know, and it's hard to keep a good pace in water. People will be breathless and they underestimate that. So don't get taken aback if you can't swim. Well, I hope that helps Jan in some way. Sumi Dunn, thanks a million uh, for joining us again. We'll talk next Monday. Uh, Look, if you have a question for Ask the GP or if you want to chat to Sumi yourself next Monday, you can drop us an email and we'll certainly keep whatever we didn't get over. We'll bring them to you as well. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.